Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're gonna give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast. You are listening to Ohio Conference Cast, a podcast dedicated to sharing missional stories and other information about Ohio Mennonite Conference. Here are your hosts, Corbin Weaver-Busher and Ramon Lyonez. Uh, welcome back to Ohio uh, Conference Cast with Corbs and Moan. Uh, this is Moan talking. I want to tell you, if you have not heard the first portion of this two-part conversation we had with Pastor Brad Roth, uh, you're missing out. You need to jump back and hear the part dealing with evangelism. Also, now we're going to listen to the second part, which deals with prayer and fasting. I did not know how important <laughs> how important the two go together. Honestly, I know it sounds strange. I love how Brad tied it all together for us. Sometimes when you, you listen to things about prayer and fasting, it, to some people it may be too spiritual or, or too boring. Brad has a way of talking. He has a way of sharing ideas and, and bringing sometimes complex spiritual theological truths and brings it down to uh, on a level where even I can understand. And so I want you to uh, just sit back uh, grab, I think it's still cold enough where some of you are at, uh, grab some cocoa, a popcorn, or whatever you do. Listen to what's being said. It's incredible how the Spirit has moved in his life, the things that he has absorbed, and the things that he brings to us. Uh, we were so blessed to have him as a speaker this annual's ACA. Just sit back and listen and absorb uh, what he shares with us. We're sort of transitioning, too, into a conversation that is more about what gives us the inspiration, the motivation, that, that sense of vitality to begin living out these forms of, of evangelism, of, of mission, however you want to talk about living out and sharing the gospel. One of the major themes that you hit on during the conference, Brad, was that of prayer. At, at certain points, you talk about fasting as a part of that, too. Yeah. And I would just be curious to hear you talk more about how essential is prayer for renewal in your mind? And what led you to that conclusion? I almost wonder if there's a story along your faith journey that led you to this point where you were like, oh man, prayer is really important here if we're going to be talking about evangelism and, and, and renewal. Yeah, great question. In my ministry, I was kind of, uh, when I started off in eastern Washington state, was really kind of asking myself the question exactly where does ministry authentic ministry flow from right what am i doing here and you know i was doing the work but there was sometimes it had this hollow feeling right like is, is it just like punching the time card like what what exactly is this job of pastor and so i kind of was was looking around trying to understand myself in that position and the Holy Spirit was was working on me massaging this truth into me and I really realized that what makes all the difference is prayer. I mean that's what makes ministry ministry. That's what makes the church the church. The other side of this would be worship, right? Like those are the things that we do. We worship the triune God and we pray in the name of Jesus and nobody else does that, right? Like sure there's other religions out there that pray. Sure there's, you know, different service groups or whatever out there, but nobody does those two things. And so both of those poles became really important. But prayer, I think especially as like the heart of what fuels the fire for for ministry and what makes ministry something more, 
right? Because you could do the work of putting in the Bible study and kind of preach a workerly sermon that, you know, has, it's, it's, it's all correct, but does it have that fire in its belly? Um, do we have that fire in our belly and in our hearts? And so for me, I found my way into prayer. A couple of books, I mean, of course, like Richard Foster and the Spirit of the Disciplines, uh, but then Dallas Willard, who's one of my heroes in his book, Celebration of Discipline. And then he's got some other books that are really wonderful, but kind of led me into thinking about that where ministry comes from is this deep and intimate relationship with Jesus and where that is going to happen day in and day out is in prayer. And I've also just seen the fruits of prayer in my own ministry, right? Like we're, we're things that you run into immovable objects in any ministry, but especially I think in, in the rural church, things that you just cannot change, personal situations that you cannot kind of wrap your mind around. And you just got to pray the, over those situations and over those people. And I've seen the fruits of, of moments where it's like, whoa, like that, that was not what I thought was going to come out of this, this really tricky kind of interpersonal relational issue and something just changed there. And I attribute that to spending time in prayer. And then also doors that open up that you wouldn't have anticipated either, right? Where where people show up at your door or call you up or whatever. And um, those things just kind of come out of nowhere. And for me, I attribute that to, to the work of prayer. Yeah, well said. I think I often hear outside of myself, but also in my own head, the sense uh, around prayer. And, and I think we we in the church are desperate for a renewal in our, our spiritual lives and in our prayer lives. And I almost hear this this voice in, in our head and, and in my own head that's like, well, you know, yeah, prayer's great, probably because it just makes me more conscious of, of God and what I'm supposed to do. But I would really want to push back on that and, and, and lean into what you're sharing here. Like, doors do open. Opportunities do present themselves. Boulders that seem immovable, we find, uh, are moved. And prayer becomes that possibility that we didn't even realize was on the menu of options for how to solve or, or bring resolution. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be your fix-all, just how you want it or need it. In fact, more often than not, it's probably surprising. I really appreciate you're blending that that very centered sort of uh, the spiritual disciplines are, are just valuable as they nourish us, but also externally in the world around us. I, I hear you sort of reflecting on your own experience of how prayer, God's at work, the Holy Spirit's around us, and, and it takes a certain sincerity and discipline and, and belief, just, just trusting and, and really believing that God will, God's going to show up in our lives. And, and here, here in Archibald, here in Moundridge, Kansas, God is going to show up and, and, and is on the move. So good stuff. Amen, brother. Uh, and I think there's an Easter sermon in there because I mean, like the, the women and then Peter and John, they just show up. Like they just go to the tomb because that's what they got to do. But they do not know how they're going to get beyond past that big immovable rock, right? You know, and if they wouldn't have left because, well, we can't get in anyway, right? You know, there, there's the Easter sermon and God's in the midst of that. The stone is rolled away. Jesus is alive and things start happening that nobody could have anticipated. Wow. So another thing that you talked about over the, the weekend, and I was so pleased to hear you reflect on this, it's... It, this sort of topic of prayer, maybe you can even hear it coming through me a little bit. It's been nudging at my heart for for a few years now. I'm I'm a lot like like you're sharing earlier about being maybe more of a head thinker and 
and and that's maybe your more organic way into faith that that's very that resonates for me as well and it's been this progression for me to to start wrapping my head around the, the more heart spiritual prayerful aspects of this and another theme that keeps coming up is that of the practice of fasting and i heard you talking about how uh, in connection with your own prayer life as a pastor as as a person of faith that you've also incorporated fasting so i wonder if you'd share a little bit more about how you came into it sort of fall on out of fashion and in our modern church i don't know a lot of people who who make a regular practice of fasting so would you be willing to share a little bit more about how how that reared its head and, and how you've nurtured that yeah absolutely well jesus teaches three spiritual disciplines in the sermon on the mount right at the heart of it right so prayer and giving and fasting Often we're faithful. We have a lot of faithful givers in our churches, right? But um, but we also need to be faithful in prayer and fasting. And, and so Jesus taught it, and you see it modeled in the scriptures, and you see it modeled in the New Testament, and in the the great prayers over time. I got interested in that. Uh, I don't know when, a long time ago, but it was definitely developed after I you know did some of this reading in the spiritual disciplines. But what I've discovered, I mean, I'm not a super rigorous faster. I fast on Fridays. I don't fast during the Easter season uh, because that's a time of celebration. When I am traveling or something like that, I don't I don't try to fast. But my usual schedule is to fast and pray on Fridays. Now I still, you know, I've got a sermon to finish up and I've got whatever, but I don't like block out a meeting on Fridays or plan a visit on Fridays or something like that. I try to dedicate that time to prayer and fasting. And my fasting is usually just to skip breakfast skip lunch, and then I eat with my family in the evening. Every once in a while, I'll do a longer fast than that. What I've discovered is that that fasting just really empowers our prayers. And, you know, it's one of those things like, why should it work like that? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of, I think that uh, it's God, God responds when we put ourselves out there. I mean, that's part of the way God works. It's not because we earn something in our fasting, but that somehow it makes us more focused on him. It makes us more present to him. Um, and God sees, ironically enough, the hunger that we have for him. I often discover then that like the next day, I feel very charged with God's grace. Um, I find that I do some of my best writing the day after a fast, maybe even physiologically, I think opens up something new in us. So I think there's a lot of power for ministry and for the Christian life to be found in prayer and fasting. And I think part of what we got to do is get away from the idea like there's fasts that you see in the in the scriptures that are for very intense, like life or death situations like Esther would be one of those fasts, right? That's appropriate. But then there's another kind of fast, which is more just regular. It's kind of like what we do as part of our life as disciples. That kind of fast is what I really want to live into and, and kind of make that a regular part of my week. So it's not sort of this mountain that I, that I climb just every once in a while, but um, something that, that, that I do regularly to put me in the presence of God. That makes a lot of sense. I've tried at different times to practice fasting. Like I, like I said, I've had this bug planted in my own head to be thinking more deeply about, about prayer and fasting as a practice as well. So you're really encouraging me to, to get back on the horse with that and, and to take it seriously. Like you said, Jesus does teach us to do this. And I think everything you, that you shared helps helps give us some frameworks and just some understanding for, for what can feel like more of an antiquated practice to a lot of us. Um, but it's still very relevant and nourishing for our faith life. Would you have any advice for anyone who who wants to take that invitation seriously? If you have any health concerns, then you might not be able to fast from food if you're diabetic or something like that. So I think that should be obvious to people. But 
um, you could choose to fast from something different um, and spend that time. And our, our GI system is, is we're learning more and more how that is like wired up into everything that we are, including like the way we, we think. And so there is something that's very special about fasting from food. If you can do it, I think it's really powerful. And it's, a, I think, a great way to fast is to skip breakfast, skip lunch, but a regular meal in the evening to then spend that time in prayer during the day. Drink water throughout the day. You do sometimes see in the scriptures where very desperate kinds of fasts include not drinking. Um, that could be appropriate in some occasions, but I think as a regular practice, just drink water throughout the day. Um, and if you can get away from coffee and, and stimulants, that's good too. But I know some of us can't can't do that. About a year ago, I realized I was too addicted to coffee, so I gave it up. Now I'm able to do a fast with just water, which is kind of a little a little uh, you know achievement for me. But so I think try that. And then sometimes people do longer fasts. I think a great one is to to skip breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, and then eat again the next night. So kind of a two-day fast. Again, it's not about being heroic. It's not about earning something. It's God's grace. And God's grace shines through those moments of fasting. So just in some ways, it's just do what you can and do it regularly. Yeah, part of what I hear you saying is I mean, you're sort of keeping it simple for, for folks, right? Do yeah. what's doable. Start where you can. Uh, make sure it's it's healthy, but you know we can we can push ourselves too as as um, Jesus continues to open those doors for us as we go. We can push Sorry. ourselves. Most of us have a little bit of uh, we're, we're most of us are carrying around a little bit of excess energy that that um, we can go without a few meals. But <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Absolutely no comment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just to bring us home here, I wonder if you could share a little bit more. You shared at the conference the growth and developments in your own congregation have looked like around practicing prayer together. It sounds like you've you've developed a group, and I think you said you ended up having 15, 16 people coming out. Was this a once-a-week thing? Could you just sort of paint us a picture of, of how that's worked for you? And you know, it might not be exactly what works for for people listening in their own congregations, but but yeah, just give us a picture of what. how did you start that? How did it develop? What's it look like? This didn't work for me until it did. And we've been trying to get groups of people together to pray for years. And we use, there's like one or two faithful that will come and join me for these things. And um, um, we'll pray together. But just for some reason, we have really struggled to, to get more folks together to pray for the mission of the church. But this year has been different. We call this year the year of prayer. We're really focusing on prayer in our congregation. And I think maybe part of it is the the moment that we're in coming out of uh, what's been a hard two years in our congregation, one year that all has been hard for everybody this last year, of course, but coming out of that. And I think just that sense of holy desperation that like, this is, this is it. This is like this make or break moment. This is a new chapter that's got to open up and God's got to do it. So we've been gathering for prayer on Tuesday nights and people have committed to do this for three months and then we'll just see what happens. Yeah. It's continued to have a really good group um, now I guess we're more like a dozen people, but if you know anything about Mennonite prayer groups, like a dozen people coming together to pray is pretty awesome. I'm psyched by this, and we did it last night. It's every Tuesday night, and we're, it's super simple. We're just getting together from 7 to 7.30. We have a psalm that we read, and then we pray together. Some people are not comfortable praying out loud, and that's okay. They're giving their amen by being there and praying silently. We will pray for needs, but we really try to keep the focus on praying for the needs of the church, praying for the community, praying for people to, to meet Christ in the community. So I don't know what's going to come out of this, but it feels, and I've heard other people say this in our church, it feels like 
this is different. Like something is happening here and we're we're kind of excited to see how this develops as summer gets comes our way and, and things start to open up more. Amen. Oh, that's encouraging to hear. And I, and I love that sense. There's almost an anticipation, it sounds like, as you all pray together and, and, and without an expectation of what the outcome will be, but knowing that as we come together and commit to prayer, the Holy Spirit's present and preparing us, almost incubating something yes. that we don't even know yet. And there's there's something exciting about that when you really yes. believe that, that that's the case. So. Right. And blessings to you all as blessings to you all as you continue to do that. And you know, uh, Brad, one thing you said that I have never heard before, and to me it is very powerful. Whenever uh, the idea of having a prayer meeting is posed, people tend to think I, I can't pray. I can't pray out loud. It's not something I can do. But when you said they can bring their amen. You know, they bring their amen. That was like incredible for me. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" That of course you 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 can do that. You can come and be part of that prayer and say, "I agree. I fully agree to what is being said and shared here." So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Brad, for for the time you've given us both this past weekend with the conference, but this morning as well. We look forward to continuing to follow. Uh, your ministry, your writing as you go forward. We'd love to have you back at the conference, on the podcast, anytime. Especially, mm-hmm. we, there are just so many people, I'm sure, that are listening. We have, I know we have people listening in urban places too, but so many people in rural environments, and, and that's sort of the, the niche that you're carving out for yourself. So anytime you'd like to, to come back and share with us, I'm sure we'd all be really glad to continue the conversation. Oh, so glad Absolutely. to join you. Let's do it again. Amen. All right. Well, until next time. I hope you enjoyed the two parts that Corb and I had a chance of uh, putting together for you guys. I hope also that you've been able to glean some wisdom from what Brad has shared with each one of us. Corb is raising his hand. Uh, What's up, man? Yeah, we're flying off the cuff here, but... I also wanted to say one of the most exciting parts of the first night of the missional conference with Brad was getting in little breakout groups where we were all able to share these little stories. Uh, Brad asked us all to share, how have you, how does your church befriending your community? I was in a group with like three or four other people and it was just refreshing. Again, building on this rural theme and, and expanding our imaginations of how God is at work in our churches. We would love to hear from you all. Any responses you might have to that question. How is your congregation befriending your community, Uh, whether you're a rural church or an urban church? um, Of course, this is a rural conversation primarily. The more examples, the more testimonies we have, the better. (laughs) So I just wanted to throw that in. We would would love to hear that. Maybe in a a future episode, definitely would love to to share out some of those examples as well. So uh, back to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, y'all have to get back with us. Uh, It is so important that uh, we have your input. Uh, you're our brothers and sisters. We belong a congregation that is widespread. It's not just our own church or where we are in our locale. You are all part of it. Please uh, reach out to us. Let us know what is on your mind. How do you share? How this has helped you? We've talked with Brad about possibly having him back later on. So if you have any questions, he's more than happy to reach out and minister to people and uh, share this love of the rural context and an evangelism in it. And if you remember, he said he's introvert and 
at the heart of things, he is not evangelist, but he realizes that we are all called, we are all commanded as believers, followers in Christ, that this is something we're supposed to do. So and I'm a man after my own heart, introvert yet, <laughs> yet still, still <laughs> trying to, to plunge his way into all of this. So absolutely, uh, yeah. So absolutely. the the, e- the email for you to reach out to us is ohioconferencecast at gmail dot com. Just ohioconferencecast at gmail dot com. So we'd we'd love to hear from you. Amen. All right. Well, uh, for Corbs and uh, Moon, we're signing off. God bless you. Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're going to give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast. Thank you for listening to another edition of Ohio Conference Cast. We would love to hear from you. Our email is ohioconferencecast at gmail.com. Ohio Conference Cast is brought to you by the Ohio Conference Leadership Team, along with Norm Sohar, Sound Engineer, Megan Sohar, VoiceOver, Ann Lehman, Publisher, and our many guests and listeners. <laughs>